Hey, everybody, Dave Hagan here, and you're listening to episode 408, The Student Loan Crisis Persists. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, or TFWP, as we like to call it. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Brian Reed. How are you, Brian? I'm doing very well, David. How are you? Good, good. Welcome to the show. As always, Brian was with the show. Well, both of the guys were from the very beginning, but Brian was actually on the show from the very beginning. And then Nick joined us, what, a couple years later, although Nick has been the announcer from day one. I'm sorry, Dave. Excuse me? There you are. He's here, everybody. It's Nick Appel. <laughs> hey, <laughs> guys. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I'm Good. here, Dave. Dave, how you doing? Uh, hello from San Diego. Good to see you both. Good to see you both. Hey, today I want to talk about student loans. Who here has student loans? Brian Reed. Brian Reed, you still have student loans, Brian? Um, I have a little left. A little left? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a uh, little bit of dirt on your shoe. You still got a little student loan left. Yeah. A little st- now, but Mr. Uh, Nicholas. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, you I mean, about to graduate I, from, uh, law, from uh, law school. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, the government says I do. I, I, I see the notices and I throw them out. So I don't know. Well, now let's be clear. You're not being dilatory about your loans. You're still a student. So they're, they're all not due at this point, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any student loans, guys, but I'm a little bit older. We paid those off uh, years ago, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't well, pretty, and and well, the amount was not that great. Well, well, David, the 1890s, did they even have stop loans? It, stop it! Stop it! That's terrible! That's terrible! You guys know we've talked about student loans so many times over the the past bunch of years. You know, a, a few years ago, when the total amount of debt of student loan debt exceeded for the first time in history the total amount of credit card debt in the country, we did a show. We also did a show that talked about how many people in the United States had student loan debt in excess of 1 million bucks. One, one million dollars, David? <laughs> Brian, one million, one million dollars. dollars. And that's a pretty exclusive club, although not a club you want to be in. That's a, a million dollars of non-dischargeable debt, even in a bankruptcy. Uh, pretty exclusive group. You guys have any idea how many people are currently in the $1 million club? Anyone want to guess? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Uh, Bueller? 22. How many? 22? No. Less than 100. Less than 100. 101 people are currently in the $1 million club. Brian, today is not your day to buy a lottery ticket. It is not. (laughs) But I was only off by one. Considering there's an infinite number of potential people out there. You know, we we talked about student loan debts again on the podcast when the total amount of student loan debt 
grew to $1.2 trillion. And the thing that we found what uh, was concerning is that, you know, the government operates on about 1.5 trillion. Now, not the medical entitlement portion of, of the government budget, but the, the operational portion of the government budget is about a trillion and a half. And when student loan debt grew to 1.2 trillion, we said, hey, let's take a breath. Let's talk about this. We want to uh, let our listeners know that this is a problem. And then, and then last year, I don't know if you guys remember, during the presidential election, many of the candidates were talking about student loan forgiveness. And we took the time to answer an email question from a listener who was concerned that he might be being played as a fool for paying his loans while his contemporaries were sitting back waiting for their loans to be forgiven. You remember that? That was an email that came in. And of course, our advice was, well, you should probably pay anyway because you don't know what the government's going to do. You can't trust the government to do the right thing or anything, frankly. And uh, yeah, you should uh, probably pay that off. So I figure it's time for an update. And I think y'all are going to be surprised at how things have progressed. Uh, frankly, how poorly things have progressed. So well, here's, Dave, here's some updates. Dave, I have a question. Yeah. Are you telling me that President Joe Biden is not going to pay off all of my student loans? I'm telling you that's an extremely unlikely especially after a press conference about two weeks ago. But I'll, I'll tell you about that in just a, a couple of minutes. Um, you're going to have to pay those debts, Nick. That's all right. That's just the way that it is. All right. So how about this? Check this out. Student loan debt now exceeds not a trillion, not 1.2 trillion, but $1.7 trillion. Again, the operating budget for the U.S. government excluding entitlements is about 1.5 trillion. So there's more student loan debt than what it takes to operate the US government, including the military for a year. And the vast majority of that student loan debt has still been guaranteed by the federal government. This means if it's not repaid for whatever reason, it comes out of all of our pockets. So Brian, if, if Nicholas doesn't repay, man, it, it's up to you and me. Pay your frigging student loans. <laughs> I'm not feeling warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Pardon my friend. Brian, you're making so much money. Why does it bother you? <laughs> I'm not now, paying for your education. Now, look, this, this student loan debt that's been guaranteed that if it doesn't get repaid, has to be paid by all of us is on top of the, the two, what, almost trillion dollar stimulus packages that the government has talked about or, or has done. And it's pushing our federal deficit. Our, our, you know how much our federal deficit is right now, you guys? Oh boy. One million dollars. No, it's, it's, it's a little higher. Remember when it was like six trill, we talked about it on the podcast and we said, oh my God, six trill on top of an operating budget as compared to an operating budget of one and a half trill. Um, that's kind of scary. It's now 20 seven trillion dollars i'm not making this up 27 trillion dollars and that's not even what the latest uh stimulus package included that's but dave, freaking me out but dave what do you expect with covid i mean how is our economy going to survive when it's shut down i'm not gonna get pulled down the, that uh, uh political rabbit hole sorry I'm whether sorry. we whether we need it or don't and i certainly have pretty strong opinions but whether we need it or don't, the fact is it's, it's there 
and it's becoming more and more of a percentage of our, our national operating budget. And if 20% or whatever it is of your annual budget is used to pay interest on debt, you're not able to deliver nearly as an effective government with a, an, a wide array of, of services. And you're going to have to provide less or increase taxes, neither of which is particularly palatable, you know. Another thing, according to an article in U.S. News and World Report, about 65% of our students are graduating with student loans. Pretty high number. The average amount is $30,000. And this is up from $24,000 just 12 years ago. I mean, look at that. Even undergrad, 30000 bucks with 65% of the students. Wow. That's a big, big burden to come out from. That's tough, you know? And these borrowers account for about uh, half of all the outstanding debt, you know, despite horror stories about college grads with six-figure debt loads, Nick Appel, only 6% of the borrowers own more or more than $100,000. So this is a pool that's, that's very flat. Of course, the high debt stories are really interesting. The million dollar club is, is glitzy. It's interesting to, to ponder. But it's a very flat base of people that are, are owing this money, only 6% more than $100,000. I would not have guessed that at all. But then probably the people that we talk to have uh, graduate degrees or have pursued graduate degrees. And that's what we see more often, huh, guys? Yeah. I mean, respectfully, Dave, I, mm -hmm. we had a... We had a speaker or we had a guest on here not too mm -hmm. long ago, mm -hmm. and he set up a side business. I'm not sure if he had a graduate degree or not, but mm -hmm. I think what's important to say is that you don't necessarily have to go $100,000 in debt to be successful. Now, I think that's very important for our listeners to understand. Sure. Is that you can have a very good trade and be I, – I, something I've been told since I was young is mm -hmm. it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what you do. Just be the best at what you do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important for our no, listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the statistics have shown that um, people who have a college degree will make a million dollars more in their lifetime than someone with just a diploma. And I, I think there's some truth to that. But, but I don't think that the lack of a college degree is a ceiling of any type. I mean, look, Steve Jobs didn't have a any didn't have a college degree for goodness sakes. Um, Elon Musk never completely got it done. Now these are probably exceptions to the rule, but certainly the lack of a college degree is is by no means some kind of a you know some kind of a uh, a limit. It seems Dave, to me. Can I just provide a counterpoint to that real quick? Go ahead. Over fifty years, that's twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So let's just say that you make $240,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I make $220,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Over 50 years, you're going to make a million more dollars than me. Yeah. However, we're both making over $200,000 a year. Yeah, that's a that's a real hardship for most of the world, isn't it? I feel so sorry for all the people yeah. that make over $200,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Hey, check this out. The Department of Education uh, indicated just last year that $485 billion in student loans will need to be written off as uncollectible for many reasons at some point. So that's about a third, um, less than a third actually of the, the total amount of student loan debt. They're admitting that there's no practical way that 
at least 485 billion of it's ever going to be repaid. Just not possible. People are going to die. People aren't going to have the ability to pay. People are going to disappear. Um, who knows whatever reasons are, but uh, at least about a third of it will never be repaid. You know, another thought, last year when we responded to that email, we thought it wouldn't be a good idea to sit back and, and wait for student loan forgiveness because it may never come. And, and granted, there were several politicians that were running for president who were strong proponents of student loan forgiveness, and, and there still are. You know, Senators Warren and Schumer are still proposing a, a $50,000 student loan forgiveness package. And we now understand that this would help the vast majority of the students because the average amount of debt is $30,000. But, you know, now we hear just a couple of weeks ago that President Biden said that he wouldn't support a $50,000 forgiveness um, package, but rather would limit it to $10,000. Now, did you guys see this press conference? What was it up in Wisconsin? And some young guy asked the question, well, you know, students are just dying from the student loan debt and they need a $50,000 student loan forgiveness. And how are you going to get that done? Now, you think that guy was planted by the, by the presidential group, or you think that was a guy just trying to make wise? Do you think that the president wanted to get his position out there and make it sure, sure and, and clear to everybody that his, he was going to be pro proposing a $10,000 limit? Or do you think some guy was just trying to push him into a corner and the guy had the guts to come out and say, no, I don't support that? You think about well that? Well, Dave, I would tell you that I would be there in a second and say personal responsibility. And okay. the, th the thing is, is that if I want to take out loans, it's only my opinion that I should have to pay them back. I mean, if Brian wants to pay them back from all his lottery winnings, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, if you want to pay them back, you know, because you're a successful attorney, that's fine. But in my heart, I think it's my responsibility to pay back my loans. Right. Right. Well, you know, this was, this was initially brought up when people came to the realization that then a trillion and a half dollars of debt would drag down the economy because people would be paying their student loans and not buying expensive new red cars and, you know, new townhomes and condos and houses and electronics and Sono systems and all the other kind of stuff. And so the student loan debt was getting in the way of an expanding economy. And that's when they came out and said, hey, that coupled with the fact that there are people that are experiencing hardship repaying these, maybe we should forgive some part or all of this debt. And that's how it got into the discussion. Um, I'm not sure that it's part of the discussion so much anymore. People are just looking for some debt forgiveness. You know, I mean, the, the president came out and said, you know, I think that there are more pressing things to spend our resources on. And, and he was concerned that a large amount of the debt would go to benefit people that went to schools that might have been excessively priced, you know, not to and not benefit the people that really went out there and and looked at competitively priced education. So now there's all sorts of um, issues you know, there's the state schools against the private schools. There's the, the haves and the have-nots. There's the people who we want to be spending and who may not be spending. There's all sorts of um, interesting issues now going into this 
conversation. You know, another thing that interests me is the, um, the student loan interest rates. They're currently an average of 4.5% for undergraduate loans, 6.08% for unsubsidized graduate loans, and, and 7% for direct plus loans. Now, remember that, that a pool of debt will double in 10 years at 7%. Well, these, these plus loans will, will double in size every 10 years. That's the, the law of compounding interest. That, that gets pretty scary to me. Dave, so, I have a question. Yeah. So based on those facts, does that mm -hmm. mean a undergraduate loan mm -hmm. has a less APR or interest rate than a graduate loan? Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Now, do you I have any idea what, you, what your interest rates are? Just as I do. Yeah. I, I, I do. And it's in between. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> okay. I will right, well, leave it. Uh, um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to pry. In, in no, public, no, but... it, it, it's fine. I mean, it, it's in between six and 8%, which I think okay. is very high, but it, it still is mind boggling to me that someone who likely wants to help the economy and is bettering their education is paying a higher interest rate than someone who is an undergrad. That's just my opinion. Well, but I mean, wouldn't an undergrad be wanting to better society as well, as opposed right, to a but, graduate? And, you know. But wouldn't you presume that they would follow up with a graduate a degree? Maybe, maybe. I think people get a graduate degree because to a large extent, now your profession perhaps, you know, is accepted for that, maybe a doctor as well. But I think people get a, a graduate degree because they want to use it as a tool to generate more income and to open more doors. So does that mean that they should pay more interest? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> interest rate is a function of risk in a, in a traditional lending environment. Does that mean that graduate degree or graduate students have more risk? Well, I, would I don't know that, that I could, I don't know that I could jump to that conclusion. Does I a would graduate argue degree mean you'll have more funds to then pay the higher interest rate arguably Ooh, I, cynical oh. i like it and i like it yes okay. arguably <laughs> i would say though that a graduate degree is someone mm -hmm. who is more um, responsible than someone who does not have an undergraduate degree and you know i don't know about that but okay arguably okay i mean everyone's entitled to their opinion yeah absolutely Absolutely. Brian, you have a, you have a graduate degree, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're all like graduate degreesters here. <laughs> we are. Well, except for Nick, he's on the precipice of having on a the graduate precipice. degree. He's, well, he's I think, ready to go. well, I think Dave's the only doctor here. Well, that's true. Dave that's true. <laughs> Hit yourself in the head with a law book and call me in the morning. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to talk about some tips here on, on student loans. Uh, I thought it was an appropriate time to pause and look at the new data, but I also want to pass along some, some tips on student loans. So like number one, be a prudent purchaser of your education. If you don't need a brand school for what you want to do, don't go there. Don't pick a school just because the people were friendly or they have good parties. I mean, that's a motif uh, or a paradigm from the past. Pick a school that's appropriate for your, your needs when you graduate. I mean, obviously state and local schools are a, a better value than private schools. And I hate to say that because back in the day I went to a, a private school, but 
you've got to be a good purchaser of your education these days, especially if you're going to finance it. Um, and I and I would encourage people to finance as little of it as possible. Number two, live like a student. I mean, it seems to me that being a student does not necessarily mean lavish trips on spring bank or upscale living accommodations. Living like a student to me means living on a minimum amount, the minimum amount to get by, unless your parents are paying for everything. But we're not talking about people whose parents are paying for everything. When I was in school, we sought out the best happy hours in town, not because of the low drink prices, although we did appreciate that, thank you, but because we wanted the ones that had extensive happy hour free food to go along with the drinks. And well, many Dave, times, that's how Dave, we had Dave, dinner. Dave, what? Dave, Dave, tell me about your ramen experiences. I am um, on my ramen diet. <laughs> I never, I never, actually went out all the way to ramen. I was, <laughs> I was, I was fortunate. I, I had folks that I could go to if I was really stretched, but um, I know lots of people that have done that. I mean, what is a, what is a package of ramen? 30, 40 cents? Uh, it's a quarter. A quarter. Yeah. And, and there's people that, you know, that, that eat that way get, just to get through. That's part of living like a student. It seems to me living like a student is like living like a, a ski bum. I knew a guy one time and, and, and he would teach skiing during the ski season and ski. And in the summer, he would teach, I don't know, sailing or, you know, rowboating or something like that. But the spring and the fall were rough. And in the spring and the fall, the guy was literally existing. It wasn't ramen back then. It wasn't so trendy. It was macaroni and cheese because a mac and cheese box was a quarter. And the guy was like just eking it out in the spring and the fall so he could have these really fun summers and really fun winters. And there's nothing wrong with that. It might not be really great for your health on a permanent basis, but there's nothing wrong with that. Those are people that want to draw everything out of life. And that's, and that's fine. I think that's fine. You're at the point where you're just getting through the tail end of law school and you're, you're a ramen man. And that's, that's good. That's okay. When I, I used was to be, I used to be, until I got my academic scholarships oh. and I worked hard, worked my butt off. And now I have upgraded to cup of noodle soups. <laughs> I thought you were going to say <laughs> Chateau Brian for two. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. But you know, even when I first started working um, and I knew we were going to work late, we would go to a local happy hour place that had great hors d'oeuvres. And the reason is, you know, we wanted to eat something a little heavier than just chips or whatever. We knew it was a good place to get some food that wasn't that expensive. And, you know, when I first started working, that's when I was paying off the, the student loans. And this was one of the things that we did to, you know, to cope. Number three, borrow as little money as possible. And of course, here at TFWP, we're totally adverse to all, all types of debt, but sometimes it's got to happen, I guess. But I see people borrowing for living expenses when going to college and grad school. And, you know, if you can, see if there's a way to live in someone's den or an extra bedroom. I know someone that went to this is law school back in the day, and, and he lived in a converted garage so that he could keep the debt down when he was going to school. And now it's considered commonplace to you know, live in a real nice place, and it, it really only uh, increases the amount of pressure when you graduate. So, you know, consider borrowing as as little as possible, as little as you possibly can. Number four, have a specific education plan. You know, back in the day, 
um, you know, I went to a school that was a, a liberal arts school and I knew kids that were, you know, just going to school to find themselves. And I thought that was a, you know, really great thing. But now I don't think you can do that so much because it's, it's so expensive. I think you need a very specific plan as to what you intend to do. Unless, of course, you got someone paying for it, just straight up, like, like folks or relatives. But specifically, how will you get a degree that's going to enable you to do better or earn more in your profession? Specifically, how will it increase your enjoyment of your job or your income earning capability? Uh, specifically, how many years will it take you to repay that loan? I mean, Nick, I know you've had, I've had conversations with you about how very specifically you intend to repay those debts. You're not going to ignore them. You know that you've got a, a heavy load, but you're ready and willing to do that. Well, Dave, I think I told you that after I take the bar, I'm going skydiving. <laughs> and if I land, it's going to be a great experience. There you go. <laughs> and if I don't, bye-bye, Sally Mae. Freddie Mac. <laughs> Bye-bye. I know you. You've got too many things that you want to do with your degree. We've had too I know. many conversations about that, but I like the whole skydiving motif. I like that. You know, number five, check this out. Live for a time like a student after you graduate. When someone graduates, they, they want to increase their lifestyle because they have it coming to them. And frankly, they do. However, if they've got loans, maybe they don't. Rather than thinking about paying the debt out over the maximum period of time, consider trying to pay it in half the time and continue to live like a student for at least a little while. Go to those happy hours, um, eat the ramen, do what you need to do to, to reduce that debt. You know, student loans are a great idea. Studies have shown, again, that, that someone with a college education will make more money over their lifetime than someone without, but those are averages um, those are generalizations. People certainly without degrees um, can certainly make an awful lot of money over at their, their lifetime. And, and student loans were a great idea when they started. Unfortunately, over time, they've, they've grown in size, as has the tuition, and the interest rate has gone up. And I think that this is making them extremely dangerous and certainly, certainly a persistent national problem. We've talked about this now, what, three or four, maybe five podcasts, just because it's such an important national problem and because it's so relevant to what a lot of our readers are going through. So hopefully some of these tips are, are valuable to um, our listeners that are considering borrowing student loans and, and also to our, 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 not our readers, our listeners um, that are in the process of, of paying these loans. Well, that's a wrap for today. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. 
All right, we got a little bit of time. Let's do a quick email. Brian, you said there was an email about listening to our podcast. You got yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's not exactly financially related. It's more just about us and the show, but it says, okay. Dave, do you guys listen to the podcast after it is done? Well, I'm going to ask you guys in just a minute, but I'll, I'll, I'll let the listener know for me. Um, no, not usually. You know, I, I think about an episode, I research it, I outline it, I bounce it off the guys. And after, after it's recorded, you know, I, I kind of feel like uh, Jerry Garcia. I'm, I'm done with it. Someone asked Jerry Garcia, the dead one time, would you mind if people record your concerts? And he says, no, after I play it, I'm done with it. They can have it. <laughs> and, I, and I kind of feel that way with, with the podcast. I know what it says. I know the, you know, the good parts and the bad parts and, the, and all the stuff that went into it. So when it's done, I'm usually done. But from time to time, I'll go back and listen to it as a resource. Like, uh, what were we talking about today? Student loans. So I went back and, and talked about, um, you know, listen to some of the prior episodes because there were some facts in there that I'd forgotten about that we had, we had um, embedded some pearls of wisdom and some facts. And so I went back to it and I use it as a resource, some of these old episodes. And I hope that some of our listeners will use them as a, as a reference and go back to them once in a while as well. You'll note that we do mention prior podcasts in a lot of the current podcasts and that's, that's by design because we're, we're building upon a, a body of, of knowledge and information and hopefully building upon just a cavalcade of, of entertainment. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dave, <laughs> you are using big words. What is a cavalcade? <laughs> oh, I'll look it up in your funkin' wagnalls, Nick. Come on, man. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Nick? You ever, you ever listen to a podcast after we're done? Dave, I love listening to your voice. Of yeah, course well, I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I, I really do. And, you know, one specific episode I really enjoy listening to is the emergency fund because, you know, especially with this pandemic, you just never know when something's going to happen that's least expected. Sure. And sure. Important know, I stuff. Mean, I, I, I think, I mean, we've touched on it on at least two to three episodes, if not more. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, all, just, the, all the time. Sure. And I, I just want to tell all our listeners how important it is to mm -hmm. have an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about you, B? Do you listen? Um, not consistently. Mm -hmm. um, every okay. now and then when, you know, the new one drops, if I'm driving or something, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I'll pop it in mm -hmm. and see if we, you know, do a little postmortem. Mm -hmm. a little bit but, yeah, but you're, you're looking at more from the, the technical side because that that's kind of your that's your forte in this to make sure that technically it's together and that it moves and the voice quality is good and it, you know that kind of stuff well yeah. also the listeners can't see that he has a beret on right now <laughs> he does yeah <laughs> i still wearing my red beret from last week yeah, that that's pretty bold, Nick, coming from someone who's wearing a, a Minnie Mouse. Uh, hey, 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 this is about Brian, not yeah. me. <laughs> I got to tell you a story, guys, about, and then we'll wrap, but I got to tell you a story about uh, listening. Uh, you know, I can get these podcasts um, on my radio in the car. So one time I'm, I'm driving my mama and we were going to go somewhere. It was about a, an hour drive. And so I, I start playing the podcast and I go, mom, listen to this. And after about 15 or 20 minutes, she goes, this is really good stuff. Who is this? <laughs> it's Nick Appel. 
Yeah, my mama can be brutal. I'm telling you, that's brutal stuff. All right, all right. That's all the time we got. That's a wrap. Tune in next week. We're working on an interesting topic. We're going to talk about credit reporting next week. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.